Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Thank you, Alex. Talk Recorded live. You got these little electric prods here that if I get offline, they jab me. Oops, you're gone. You're wrong on that one, Dave. <laughs> That's most of the time. Well, the last last weekend today, we're, we've been talking about John three sixteen under the overall theme of Philippians chapter three eight and First Peter one three. Uh, the things that I want to know more than anything else in the world of Philippians 3, and then that I may be found in him is the place of which all these many last few weeks have been involved about, the being in the right place at the right time, and, uh, and then the, the qualities of why we have uh, our hope in the church, in, in the body of Christ, is because of the inheritance that is ours, and the and the very characteristics of that inheritance, First uh, Peter one three. So this is just an extension to that. We've changed the name of it a little bit only be, for changing the you know the boredom of it. But last week we started on John three sixteen to begin to narrow down the need of distinguishing the audience. In the Bible, you can't take this passage and say, "Well, I'm in there." Or go to this passage and say, I'm in there. It's got a you in there, but that you is, by the way, the you is never you. It's never you, you. You just can't get yourself. I mean, you might be a snake, but you cannot slither yourself into those verses just because there's a you in there. Because most of the time, the yous are corporate yous. They're, uh, they're corporate pronouns. Uh, you is a pronoun. And they're usually... Uh, plural, and it's usually corporate, meaning that it has a singular object. And so when we, all, we always have to distinguish the audience. We've, we started with John 3.16, because I, that was that, was that Kylin? Oh, we got some life out of Kylin. Now, I like that. How many would like to hear a repeat of that sound? All right, we love that. Okay. <clears throat> I heard that as a squeal of delight. I don't know just what it was, but anyway, that's wonderful. I love to hear little children, don't you? I love to hear little children. Um, there's just something about that. I, I went to the track yesterday, and um, there's, I don't know, probably a 1,000 kids playing soccer. I don't know, it's over a mile around the soccer tracks, or about a mile around the soccer tracks. Now, all these little kids, little boys, little girls, you know, all the all different ages. And just to be out there with those families and mommies and daddies and all their little brothers and sisters. Now, I like that. I really enjoy that. And so they're also courteous and kind. Of course, I realize they know that I'm really old. They come back like a circus, you know. Wow, you saved me a trip to the zoo today. 
uh, just to see you going around here. But anyway, in, in John 3.16, we, we're trying to clarify by asking some questions, first of all, that led us into that. And I think they're up here. Did you have, did you have those up there? You do? Last week, we uh, started breaking down uh, what some of the questions here. Do, do any of you believe that God loves you? And I ask you, don't, don't answer that because that's a trick question. Do any of you believe that God loves you? How do you know that God loves you? And we talked about that little song that we sing, Jesus loves me, how do I know? The Bible tells me so. And I asked, where? And of course, nobody has an answer because the Bible never does say that. But we sing it that way. Is that right to sing a song that isn't true? We all love that little song. So what are you counting on because of your belief that God loves you? That's a pretty important question. Because if you believe that God loves you, there must be something that you're counting on because of that belief that God loves you. What do you expect from that love? If God's love makes a provision and you refuse or reject the provision that God has made, how does that love then benefit you? And that's where we plugged into John 3.16. And then 6, what are, where, where? And the key there is that little word, where. Where are the benefits of God's love found? Well, those are some of the questions that we're developing that should make a difference in how you look at John 3.16 as well as other verses. Gail, do you want to quote John 3.16 for us again? All right. Thank you, Gail. You've still got it. Talk about retention. That's great. Thank you, Gail. So a little review here of where we were last week. We won't worry about how far we're going to go today. We always quit on time or close to it. We usually get done by four. And Aubrey back there, she looked up and said, oh, no, four o'clock. I've got a meal here for 12.30. Well, sorry. No. Anyway, a review of John 3.16 of that which Gail just read is uh, we discussed last week why, why God so loved the world, and it's built into the word world itself. The word world was in order, and the Hebrew from which that word is developed means a beauty in its order. So when God created the heavens and the earth, the world in total was in order and it was beautiful. And it was beautiful because it was in order. Isn't there beauty in order? Isn't that true with your life? If your life is in order, your life is a beauty to it. And that's how God saw the world. He saw that, and it included man. And then God loved that world in his order and the beauty of his order, including man, and so he began a preparation process. 
And Galatians 4 says that in the fullness of time, it, it took God 4,000 years, give or take, a minute or two. In the fullness of time, he brought forth his son. That John 3.16 says, God so loved the world that he gave. The love was in arrowist tense, which meant that it was a love once, at one point in time, punctiliar in action, and that promoted him making certain preparations so that the love that he had at one point could be added into the world. And so he began the preparation process, and in the fullness of time, God sent his son, coinciding with John 3.16. And so he gave, once and for all time, his son. He had, he had, Jesus Christ had become God's son at some point, and it was the son that he had loved before he had been given that he gave. That's why it is meaningful. He didn't become the son at his birth. He had already been begotten of God, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only what? Begotten son. He wasn't begotten when he came. He was begotten somewhere that we don't know, probably somewhere back when he had made a love for the world. We don't know that. I'm not, I'm not suggesting any solution to that issue. But in the fullness of time, he gave. And now I want to tell you today the positive side of where we've been so far is I'm so glad that I can be a part of the world that God loved. And that God, it says, he made a provision. By the giving of his son, he made a provision for the world that when the son came had already gone awry. It had lost its order and some of its beauty. These are all things that we discussed last week. And that provision that God made by sending up his son enables mankind to be restored to the beauty of his creation. The rest of the creation has to wait. But mankind can be restored to the beauty and the order of the original creation. That's why God so loved the world and that he gave. He made the provision by the giving of his son. That was the provision that love provided was his son. Now I want that to sink in. So the, there's a condition, and that's having a belief in John 3.16, a belief that propels each participant into the provision. And then in that provision, he is rewarded with life. And that life there is the word that means the quality of life, not how long you live, but the quality of life while you live here and then in the life that is timeless. That's what happens when you are a one who allows your belief to propel you into the provision that God has made where his love abides. So that brings us to a big conclusion, folks, is that God's love abides in the provision that he has made. And you may or may not be a partaker of it, 
But if you are or not, it is your choice. So it is made available. That provision is made available to all of mankind. And we did not discuss that part of John 3.16 last week because it says, whosoever. That means it's potentially available to all of mankind. Now that was that was quite some new thinking to the Jewish audience of which John is writing. Whosoever will may come. So the provision is made available to all potentially, but folks, you have to become a part of the provision that God has prepared for you in order to be a partaker of the benefits of his love. And that's all wrapped up in John 3.16, of which we spent all of last week determining. So the whosoever determines and establishes the condition. It must become very personal. It must be that you have a belief that keeps you moving toward the place where God's provision is and then into that provision. That's abiding. The word belief there is in the present tense, and it's a descriptive word. Even though it's a verb, it's really an adjective. It's uh, called a participle, and that's, that's uh, a verb made into an adjective. It's called a participle, and it means the believing ones. That is, those who continue to believe until they get to the point of having entered into the provision. They could not enter into it yet while Jesus was still here. He had to have died been buried and rose again and had risen again. And then what he established was his church. We have to be a part of the provision in order to become a partaker of what the provision was for, and that was to provide to us the benefits of God's love. So anyone can become a somebody with hope. Or can remain a nobody with only potential. And the business of the church is to make somebodies out of nobodies. That's the business of the church. Because if you're not in the provision, you have only a somebody in potential. But if you're in what God has provided through Christ, then we have That's the basis of our hope that we've been talking about for several months. So in the fullness of time, then God gave his son, and I'm so glad that I am a part, that I am a part of the world that God loved and that he made a provision and that I can be a part of that provision through Christ. And in that provision, I can be next to and in the arms of God's love. Now, I want to go a little bit further today into new territory, and I want to establish the audience in the Gospel of John because we're going to be dealing in the next, today into probably next Sunday, and then the next week, by the way, we begin, we have services on Sunday morning. Christmas Day, Christmas Day, right? Christmas morning, we will be just like always here. No, no change. We have, the, we have the Christmas Eve sing-along, and the next morning, bright and early, you'll be here all bushy-tailed. And we'll have a great time uh, with uh, Christmas Sunday. 
So I would like to have you go with me as we establish the audience in the Gospel of John, because what we're, what we're wanting to do here is to clear up some misconceptions so that we can get a clear perception of God's love and where it is and how we can become a participant in it. Okay? First of all, we need to do some clarification. In John 13, and we're going to read, be reading several verses now in the Gospel of John, as, much as, as many as we have time for. In John chapter 13 and verse 12, we begin. <clears throat> so when he had washed their feet. So what's the first question you're going to ask? You've all been around here long enough to not be bashful. Yeah, whose feet? Who's speaking in? All right. So, of course, um, uh, John is simply reporting the activity. And so when he, who's the he? Jesus had washed whose feet? Well, the disciples at this point, not apostles until Acts chapter 1, even though sometimes they are spoken of in retrospect as apostles of what had, what was going to take place in Acts chapter 1, <clears throat> when he had washed their feet and taken his garments and reclined at the table. So who was he reclined at the table with? The disciples, who later became apostles. And that, 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 that distinguishes, see, a lot of disciples were not those who were potentially going to be apostles. So we're talking about those who specifically were to become apostles. Do you know what I have done to you? Well, of course, I don't want to deal with that particularly now, but just because it's in that verse, well, I guess we have to. He, he just got through washing your feet, and he asked him this question. You know what I've been doing? Yeah, yeah, you've been brushing the horse. No, no, no. They knew what he had been doing, but what he was doing was something more than what they could see. And that was he was simply providing a service to them. And he was teaching them the lesson that you meet people's needs. They all knew what he had done. <clears throat> and he asked a question like that. That was to get them to focus beyond the act into the intent. Now let's go over to verse 18. I do not speak of all of you. Now who's the you? The disciples, oh, you folks are catching on. I know the ones I have chosen, but it is that the scripture may be fulfilled. He who eats my bread has lifted up his heel against me. And who is that going to be? Judas. All right. Let's, so we are speaking of the disciples who were to become apostles. Now he has included Judas as one of that group. That helps us to confirm that narrowed position of the discipleship. And then we go to verse 21. When Jesus had said this, he became troubled in spirit and testified and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, who's the you? The disciples. That one of you. Who's the you? And who's the one? Judas. So Judas was one of the twelve, right? So one of you and the you is the disciples will betray me. Now verse 22, the, oh, now we have it given away. You see here we've, led, we've gone through all that work. Verse 22, the disciples began looking at one another at a loss to know of which one he was speaking. So that 
satisfies that he was speaking to whom? The disciples. Oh, you're good. Now let's go down to verse 28. Now no one of those reclining at the table, and who were those reclining at the table? The disciples. Knew for what purpose he had said this to, to him. And he's talk, been talking about Judas in the previous verses. Uh, first, uh, and um, so none, But none of those reclining at the table, those are the ones that John is writing about here and that Jesus is speaking to. Now verse 35, By this all men will know that you are my disciples. Who's the you? The disciples. You are my disciples, and you, if uh, they will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. If the who has love for one another? The disciples. Folks, you're not there. Don't put yourself into that verse because you're not one of them. Now, I know you'd like to be, but you're not. Let's go to chapter 14 and verse 25. These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you. Now, that really narrows it down that he's speaking to those who have done what? Who have been with him. So keep that in mind. Now let's go to chapter uh, 17. What way? Am I going too fast? All right, chapter 17 and verse 9. I'll see if I can speed it up then. Isn't he? I don't know. He's amazing. I don't know how he does all that. I'd still be getting the program opened up. But chapter 17 and verse 9. I ask on their behalf. I do not ask on behalf of the world. In other words, I'm not asking on behalf of anybody else. I have limited my asking down to what affects you people in particular. We don't like that. We want to get ourselves, somehow we want to slither into that thing. I use the word slither because you know a snake can just get itself anywhere it wants to go. But let's not be serpents here. I ask on their behalf in his prayer, this is his prayer, he said, I'm praying in behalf of disciples. I do not ask on behalf of the world, but of those whom you have given me, for they are yours. And who were they who God had given to Jesus to appoint? The twelve apostles, or disciples initially. All right, that's clear. Now let's go to verse 12. While I was with them, who's the them? They were the twelve, okay? I was keeping them in your name, positioned in his name, in his character, in his, in his, uh, in his spirit which is the definition of all that something is. That's what the word nomenclature here means, the translated the word name. Which you have given me, and I guarded them, and not one of them perished, but however one did, and that was the son of perdition, so that the scripture would be fulfilled. So we know, again, confirmed who, of who he is speaking. Verse chapter 18 and verse 1. When Jesus had spoken these words, he went forth with his whom? disciples over the ravine of the Kid, uh, Kidron where they where there was a garden in which he entered with his okay again all of this whole context is relating to the disciples and folks you're not one of them 
<laughs> yeah, now, let, well, just a minute. <laughs> it's therefore that we will know that the foundation of our church has credibility and credentials. And Christ appointed the apostles as the foundation of the church, Acts 2.42. That's why we continue in the apostles' doctrine. There's a distinction made. Jesus was to the household of Israel alone. Only to the, I came only to the household of Israel. We go to the apostles for our learning and for our thinking. So in Acts chapter 1, verse 21 and 22, that's all the answer you get, Alex. Verse 20, 21, Therefore it is necessary that of the men who have accompanied, accompanied us all the time that the Lord went in and out among us, beginning with the baptism of John until the day that he was taken up from us, one of these must, uh, one of these must become a witness with us of his resurrection. So they went, when they were replacing Judas, he lays down in Acts chapter 1 the Dr. Luke of the author of the book of Luke and also the book of Acts gives us the criteria of what it was to be a disciple. What were the conditions? They had to be with Jesus all the time, beginning from what? Verse 22. Baptism, Baptism of John until the day that he was ascended. They had to be witness of us, with us, together of the resurrection. How many of you today qualify for that? How many of you traveled with Jesus from the time that they were baptized by John the Baptist to the time of his resurrection? Raise your left hand if you don't have a right one. And there are no takers. Why? Because none of what we just read has any application to you. It has only an application to those of whom it was written about. Now, let's go back to John. John chapter 15. We read from John 13. We read from John 17. We read from John 18. Now, in the middle of that, the heart of the sandwich... This is the sandwich factor. We read the bottom bun. We talked about the top one. And in between now is where we're going to be, in the sandwich part of that hamburger. In chapter uh, 15 of John, verse 9, in between those two sections that we read, to confirm to whom he's speaking and who he is speaking about. Folks, it is so important because from this point on is where the church gets so confused about some of these issues that have absolutely no application to you nor to me at all, except as a confirmation of the apostles. In John chapter 15 and verse 9, it says this, Just as the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Who's the you yet? We're in the context. See, I've read you before. We've read after. 
Now he is now we're reading about in between he has not changed his audience. As the Father has loved me, I have also loved you. Now here's what you are to do. You are to abide where? In my love. Which means that love is not arbitrary, it's not everywhere. It's in a place, and you have to be in it, and the apostles had to abide where his love was. So, in, the new, in, in relating to the Christians at large, to the church at large, he says, keep yourself in the love of God. Keep yourself where God's love is. God is not a promiscuous lover. He has placed his love in the church. And he says to keep yourself where God's love is. So our invite to people ought not to be to tell them that God loves them where they are. It means that God wants to love them and wants them to be where his love is. So they can become benefited by his love and share in the things that are a part of God's love, which is found only in a place. And that's where, why Paul says in Philippians 3, verse, verse 8, that I may be found in him, because in him, which is the body of Christ, when we are in him, that's where he is. That's where his love is. That's where his nature is. I'm not done, but I'm closing. I was waiting for the first tomato, but it never came. So we'll have to put that aside, and I'll try to finish this whole idea up next Lord's Day, if God permits. Let's sing our closing song. Where we've been today is we've looked at the a review of John 3.16 very briefly. You need to go back. That's recorded. It's on, it's on the website. You can go there and look at it, listen to it. We also have it in print. It's already been printed up. Sharon had that done by the time I got home last week. She's up in Oregon. She had heard it. She had it all transcribed, and I don't know how she did it. And um, she's got that. Uh, we can provide you with the transcript on that if you want it. And um, so we looked at a review of John 3:16 so that we get our thinking cleared up on what that's really talking about. And then, then we looked at both the verses prior to John 15 and the verses after John 5. Uh, after 15, so that we understand who he is addressing. He does not change his audience, but it wouldn't make any difference because John never speaks to the Gentiles anyhow. And most of you folks are. So we remember the audience of Matthew and, uh, and John and Mark are all to the Jewish audience, and that's important. But here, specifically, he is addressing those who were to become apostles who had been with Jesus for how long? from the baptism of John to the resurrection to the ascension. He had been with them all of the way through. They had been with him all the way through. That's how they qualified to become one of his apostles. We're not in that group. So what he is addressing to them has to be made especially, we have to pay special attention to make sure that we keep what he says as it relates to that group and it is not necessarily brought into us until some part other than those contexts 
it is brought to us. And we are told to stay in the love of God as well. But that's where we have to be, and now we know where it is. Let's stand and sing our closing song. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.